Thanks for tuning in to Witch Wednesdays with Steph for a chat about a new witchcraft topic every Wednesday morning. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I am Steph, and you are listening to episode 81, Astral Travel and Dream Work. This is a topic I often get asked about, and I can definitely go into depth uh, about each one separately. If that's something that interests you, then definitely leave me a comment on Instagram or Discord or anything like that to uh, let me know that you would like to hear more about one or the other. But I wanted to start out with this episode on the basics of explaining each of these and why they are not exactly the same. Because they are very similar, so they often get confused and the terms are used interchangeably, but they actually are different. And they are similar because they both have to do with what state of mind you're in while practicing them. And I think that's where the questions come in and why witches are attracted to this in general. But I know for new witches, you just hear the terms astral travel and dream work thrown out there and aren't really sure what types of witches practice this and why you would want to and why you'd want to choose one or the other or both or all of those things together. So I thought that I would explain a little bit about what they are and why they are important in your witchcraft practice. They're not required by any means, but if these topics interest you, then this is definitely the episode for you. So by saying that they are uh, both similar because they are based on what you know state of mind you're in while practicing them, and that just means that you have, you know, according to philosophy, there's there's Freud and there's Jung and all of these philosophers who have these three different sorts of states of mind, and you were probably familiar with them and heard about them before. Freud is the id, ego, and superego, and Jung, which is a little you know, closer to witchcraft and a little easier to understand is the conscious mind, the subconscious, and the unconscious. So the conscious mind is the part that's aware of what's happening around you in the present time in the mundane world. So that's the, you know, the state that you are usually in. The conscious mind is, you know, you recognize that the grass outside is green. You recognize that there's a car coming towards you, so don't step out into the street. Those things are all conscious mind, giving you conscious thought, being aware of the world around you. The subconscious mind and the unconscious mind, however, can only be accessed through alternative mind states. You cannot reach those things while you are in that conscious mind state. And to access those, that is astral travel and dream work, to be able to access those subconscious and unconscious. And they are both realms that are made up of archetypes and symbols rather than the life we experience with our conscious mind. So you might have had this before where you have a dream of falling off a cliff or having your teeth fall out, and you can recognize that that is not exactly what's going to happen in your waking life. And you might have had dreams that look a little different, that they're very dark or everything's purple. You know, your conscious mind knows that that is not what real life looks like. It just looks different. It's archetypes and symbols, and it generally looks and feels different. And the conscious mind then has to decipher those archetypes and symbols when when you come back to a conscious state of mind. 
So astral travel and dreams both work in this very similar way where you have to decode these messages that are offered to you, which is why they're often confused for one another. And most of the time, the astral landscape and the dream landscape are the same. They look the same. They feel the same. A lot of witches believe that they are, in fact, the same. When you access the astral realm, you, it's the same as the, what you're accessing when you dream. And it's sort of this realm where you can be in the same place as deities and familiars and spirits and mythological creatures and all of those things. And the difference then between the two, if you're accessing the same space, is really the level of control that you have within that realm. So I'm going to explain that a little more. I know these are both tricky to understand, uh, but hopefully this will help clarify it a little. So a good um, summary of astral projection is a quote from Scott Cunningham, and he said the, that astral projection is the act of separating the consciousness from the physical body and moving it about at will. And that at will part is what's really important because traveling to the astral plane starts from a place of consciousness. It involves like creating conditions around you to make you receptive to the mindset that's necessary to travel to the astral. And that mindset, you know, is a trance state that, you know, whatever helps you get into a trance-like state where your mind is not where your body is. And that could be things like music, drumming, lighting candles, creating a circle, all of those things that can get you into that mindset. You start at this conscious place where you are building something in the physical world that will help your mind go someplace else. Most witches travel the astral with a specific goal in mind. They have a specific question that they want to ask a deity. They have a specific problem that they are trying to work out. There's some goal and reason in that moment for going to the astral realm. And there is more control then because the witch consciously controls where they arrive when they get to this astral space. They have a, you know, vision in their mind's eye of where they're going to begin, whether, you know, that's a in space someplace, in a forest, anything, they are creating that picture and that's, you know, their starting point that they go to. And then as the travel progresses, they come across archetypes and symbols created by the subconscious and unconscious mind. And those things are just, you know, letting the travel progress and not consciously controlling the scenario anymore. So those archetypes and symbols are created that allow you to receive messages in the astral realm that your conscious mind could not. And because of that input that your conscious mind had at the beginning of the trip, when you set the intention and had the goal in mind and were very aware of what you're doing, you can remember everything that you just did. So when you come back out of this astral trip, you can write it down and remember in detail everything that you just did and saw, which means that the things seen and heard hold more significance as opposed to dream work. <laughs> so getting into dream work then, the dreamscape is very similar in that it still gives you that mind's eye view of your subconscious and unconscious thought, but the way it's accessed, as you can probably tell from the description, is very different. When you fall asleep and dream, you are not consciously creating that space where you arrive to the dreamscape and you are not consciously creating the conditions of that trip. You can't set a goal 
or arrive with that intention of asking questions to your spirit guide or work on a specific problem. You can't do any of that. Uh, But that means that dreams then can be more powerful in terms of what they reveal to you because it's about what's most important in that moment, in that time that you need to work on rather than what you asked about. But dreams, of course, are much harder to remember. We only remember a tiny percentage of all of the dreams that we have, particularly if we don't have a dedicated dream work practice and have really never worked on this, teeny tiny percentage. And we also only remember small fragments of each dream. So even when we write it down immediately upon waking, it's still a long time and a long process to be able to fill in the gaps and really decipher what that dream meant. So for this reason, emotional responses hold heavier significance in dream work as opposed to the astral work, which is what you see and hear. Because in dream work, it's hard to remember all of the things. And even when you really start practicing and really do the work to try to remember your dreams, it is still a tough process and there are still things that you are going to forget. So the most important thing then is your emotional response. If you look up what dreams mean, there are a lot of books and websites that decipher things. And like for the teeth falling out example, teeth are associated with money. But a lot of people have, you know, different reactions to teeth and feel differently about them. So maybe they aren't related to money for you. And of course, it depends on your emotional reaction in that state to the teeth falling out. Were you horrified and, you know, woke up scared? Or was it a positive experience? You know, in a dream, maybe you overcame an obstacle and at the time in the dream, it was like scary, but then you came out of it at the end and you conquered it. Then that, even though the dream could have held, you know, spiders or tornadoes or things like that, that are negative in symbology that could, but you conquered them, then that is a positive dream. So it's what emotion did you get in that state that you were in. So emotions are much more important in dreamscape because that's just easier to remember. You know how you felt, especially if it was particularly happy or particularly scary. Those are emotions that you really tend to remember when you wake up. So important to note that rather, I mean, if you can remember what you saw and heard and any symbols and archetypes, those things are all important, astral or dream work, but things seen and heard are more important in astral and emotions are more important in dream work. That's kind of a good way to decipher between the two. So obviously each method has their pros and cons. You know, dream work is a little harder to master. Uh, takes a lot more work in terms of trying to remember your dreams and astral travel can be a little more work up front, learning how to, you know, do that in the first place. And dream work is, you know, a little more, uh, unconscious mind and what you really need in that moment where astral travel, you have a little more control and can ask specific questions and have specific goals in mind. So they are both really useful in your witchcraft practice. If you have time and the energy to do both, then they can be really great tools for you. But again, of course, not necessary. Um, if you don't have the you know emotional bandwidth right now to undertake these things, then that's completely understandable. And of course, the next question would be, why would you want to use them, either of them? And it's because consciousness is just the tip of the iceberg. 
which means that there is so much information that your mind is trying to communicate that can only be done through these means. And accessing this information can help you grow and evolve as a person and give you insight on what to work on and where you're struggling. And dreams in particular are often a reflection of that day's events and alert us to things that we've been ignoring or something that we missed about what's been happening lately but was actually really important. Because our conscious mind only has space for a limited amount and it's pretty much all related to survival and immediate needs. So by accessing the rest of the mind, you create space for the things that are necessary for your development as a spiritual being and not just the keep the physical body alive part that concerns the consciousness. By paying attention to and deciphering the symbols that you run across, whether it's in dream work or in astral travel, you can create sort of a roadmap of what's going on in your psyche, what's actually the most important as opposed to what your conscious mind thinks is the most important, and then where you need to go from here to transform. Because that's what a lot of witchcraft is, that's what a lot of divination is used for, is growing and evolving spiritually as a person and tackling roadblocks. I know it sounds a lot like shadow work, um, and you do definitely you come across your shadows in your dreamscape, but uh, shadow work tends to focus on traumas of the past, whereas dream work and astral travel is very focused in the present and present. And dreams often, you know, reflect that day or that week of you know events that happened. So it's a little bit different than shadow work, but emotionally it can be just as taxing because you are going to come across a lot of things. And of course, growing and emotionally evolving is work. No matter how you slice it, it's work. And there's a lot of different ways that that can be emotionally draining for you. So completely understand if you don't have the capacity to do either of these right now. And lastly, the episode would not be complete if I didn't at least touch on how to do it. There definitely can't be a full in-depth description on either of these topics in one podcast episode, but again, this is something if you want to deep dive on either of these topics to let me know and I can include more information, but I at least want to give you the framework of what these things entail and how to do astral travel or dream work if that's something that interests you and sort of direct you on you know where you can go to learn more about it. And like I've mentioned before, if you go to whichwednesdays.com, I have book recommendations for these topics. So if you want to, you know, study further. So let's start with astral travel because the actual definition is debated. So astral travel is also called astral projection. And it's really debated about whether or not it's just your mind in this vivid liminal space or whether you can actually project yourself and leave your body and location completely. And it's debated because nobody can really be sure. We really don't have any way of measuring that and being completely sure of, of what that means and what is happening. So you have to decide for yourself what it means for you. And there are a lot of people who only believe that astral travel is astral projection, you have to actually project, you know, yourself to someplace else. And people believe that they, they've seen somebody like, oh, this witch projected herself into my home. 
And some people believe that that is the only valid form of astral travel and anything else is not considered that. But then there are other witches who believe that if you just uh, go to one of your deity altars and vividly imagine yourself uh, visiting your deity, whoever that may be, the Morgan or Bridget or anything like that, and you need to have a conversation with them and you are meditating and visually visualizing in your mind's eye, you know, walking down a path to go meet the Morgan and have a discussion about whatever it is that you need to talk about, that can be astral projection or astral travel too. Uh, so it all depends on where you fall on that spectrum of what you th- believe that it is. Personally, I'm at that second end of things where I do believe that if you just are in sort of a meditative state and you are visualizing yourself going someplace else to some other plane to speak to a deity or to speak to your spirit guide and you can see an image of them and what they look like and they are speaking back to you, I feel like that is astral travel. I meant that end of the things. I don't think you need to be actually projecting an image of your body someplace else. I I think that's possible. I think it's a lot easier for children. Children tend to report astral travel a lot. Um, We sort of block that part of our minds as we age. But children will often say that like, I was asleep, but then you know, part of me floated downstairs and I was watching TV with my parents. Like that's very common for, for kids to say that. Kids astral travel all the time. Uh, and that's, that's that projection part of it. So all depends on where you fall on the spectrum. And that said, in order to start doing this practice, it really starts with getting into that meditative trance-like state where you know that you are sitting in a room, like you are physically there, but your mind is so far removed from that immediate space that you are not noticing things around you, that your you know, cat could enter the room and you're not even aware of it because you are so far removed from that present spot. Your mind is just completely someplace else. And it takes practice to get to that level because we are so, our conscious is so aware of our physical surroundings and it is so important to us. So we tend to notice like, it's really cold in this room, or I can hear the candle popping. We're really distracted by things like that. So trying a guided meditation can be really helpful. There are some of those on YouTube that are specifically related to astral travel and asking you to picture different things in your mind. So that's a good place to start to sort of listen to those and try very hard to visualize what the speaker is telling you to look for. So you have something to focus on that takes you out of that physical space. And another tip would be to just start small. Not every astral travel has to be some, you know, amazing, profound journey where you learn deep, dark secret about yourself or anything like that. It can just be for fun. You can just astral travel to go talk to a spirit guide or a familiar or a mythological creature, anything like that. It could just be for fun. You don't have to have some deeper purpose in mind. So that's a good place to start. And in doing that, just create sort of your... 360 view of your landing space. So if you go to this astral travel, this astral plane, you can go absolutely anywhere you want and envision anything you want. But a lot of witches have a landing place. So every time they go into the astral realm, they have a specific spot where they land. And from there, the journey continues. So that specific spot where they land, they can describe and see in their mind's eye in detail a 360 view of exactly what it looks like as you're looking out all around. 
And for some, that's, like I said, out in space or in a forest. It could be along a river or even underwater if that works for you. Whatever it is that you can envision completely every detail of that 360 degree space and that view around you, which will help your mind every time that you want to try to get into this astral space and quiet your mind enough for that. It's good to have that sort of landing space to focus on and your mind will recognize, okay, we're here now. So now is the time to then continue on this journey and pick up the archetypes and symbols and things as I go along. Dream work is obviously a little different in how you start that practice. And in that sense, it's a little bit easier because I think we all intuitively know that you need to track your dreams using a dream journal. That is the place to start. If you want to work on dream work, you have to be able to remember what you dreamt. And the only way to do that is through practice, is by waking up every morning and remember anything that you remember, writing it down into a dream journal. Because I think we've all experienced that where we have it pretty vividly right when we first wake up, but half an hour later, we have absolutely no idea what we were thinking about and what had happened. We completely lose it. So getting into that dream journal practice in and of itself is difficult it, to, to wake up every morning to remember your dreams. It's important, you know, before bed, there are crystals and herbs that I'm going to mention in a minute that can help you remember your dreams. And, you know, saying positive affirmations before you go to bed can be helpful. I will remember my dreams when I wake up. I'm going to remember everything that I dreamed about tonight. Things Telling yourself things like that can be very helpful in starting this dream journal practice, but it does, you know, take a lot of work. As you continue to journal things, more will come to you. It's just a muscle that has to be worked. Uh, and the more days that you do it, the better you're going to be at it. And from there, whatever is prominent in the dream is what you would go online or to a book to look up what that symbolism means. And like I said, the emotional aspect of it is more important because your interaction with, say, a snake could be completely different from somebody else. Somebody might have a huge fear of snakes, and that is a scary dream for them, but somebody might have a pet snake, and that snake appearing in their dream is not so scary. It could mean something completely different. So it's definitely about your emotional reaction to whatever is happening, but there are a lot of symbols and archetypes that will come in the dream that are common threads, and there are tons of um, books and websites available that decipher what those dream symbols might be telling you. And then eventually you can work your way up to what's called lucid dreaming. And that's pretty advanced. We'll take, you know, months and months to get there. But lucid dreaming is, you know when it happens. And it's a feeling of waking up but you're still inside the dream and everything becomes very, very vivid as if you were experiencing it while you were awake. Like you can pick up extremely precise details. You can remember the dream storyline without regaining consciousness. You can make things appear and sort of control the way the dream goes because you're thinking, I know that I'm dreaming right now and I'm not waking up. I'm recognizing what's happening around me and I can control it. And if that happens, you definitely know that it has happened to you. Um, I've 
had very few times because it's not something that I actively work on. I don't particularly want to lucid dream for any reason, um, but it's happened to me before where sort of towards the end of the dream, I'm like, this is definitely a dream. I know everything that's happening right now. I recognize it as a dream and I can control what's going to happen next. I've had that happen before. You definitely know if it happens to you. Um, and witches really enjoy this idea of lucid dreaming um, because it's an interesting way to practice magic and spellcraft. Uh, a lot of witchcraft, of course, is intention and manifestation. So lucid dreaming is kind of the most direct example of that. When you can know that you're dreaming and control the dream, it's a way to manifest the exact outcome of your spell in that dream and see it happening, um, which will make it more happen, more likely to happen and more precise uh, in the real world when you wake up. And to get to that point, of course, you do the dream journaling, just keep working on it. Um, and there's something called the MILD technique. Uh, it's an acronym M-I-L-D, which stands for Mnemonic Induction of Lucid Dreams. And this is something that once you have your dream journal would be the next step to trying lucid dreaming because it requires really good dream recall. So in order to do this, right before you fall asleep, you imagine a recent dream that you had in as much detail as possible to replay it almost exactly to the mind and that sort of middle ground, like your brain recognizes it as the dream that you had before. And it starts slipping in between your alert mind and your unconscious. It's not really sure where to go. And that is a good way to get into that lucid dreaming state because your mind is already like, I am, I know what's happening right now. I'm remembering what's happening right now. So it's a technique to practice takes lots and lots of time, um, but could definitely be helpful in your witchcraft. A lot of people like to use lucid dreaming for uh, contacting deceased loved ones. It's easier to talk to them and have a conversation with them um, if you are lucid dreaming. Um, and then, of course, for spell work, for visualizing um, love spells, weight loss spells, anything like that, um, where you want to manifest and visualize an exact outcome, manifesting it and visualizing it in that lucid dreaming state makes it uh, more likely that the universe can recognize exactly what you want and it will happen in the real world. So it can be helpful in that way. But again, probably going to take months of mastering dream work to get to that point. But it's very interesting if you can. And of course, I wanted to share a couple of correspondences with you to make the practice of both astral travel and dream work easier because I love correspondences. You absolutely don't need anything. I've talked about that before, that all you need is yourself, your intention, to be a practicing witch, but I know a lot of us like tools and we like things that can help. Like there's just something tangible about holding an item or smelling an item. And we know that crystals have their own energy that they impart onto us. So we tend to like all of those things. So I have some herbs and crystals for both that can be very helpful to use um, either in dream pillows to have with you to hold um, when you are doing astral travel to light incense or scent the room in that scent. So any way that you normally work with 
herbs and gemstones. So the astral travel herbs are benzoin, cinnamon, mugwort, poplar, and sandalwood. The astral travel gemstones are angelite, fluorite, garnet, iolite, lepidolite, and opal. The dreamwork herbs are mugwort, again, blue lotus, chamomile, yarrow, clary sage, and lavender. And the dreamwork gemstones are rainbow moonstone, or moonstone in general, amethyst, lapis lazuli, epidote, and sapphire. And there are more that can get, you know, even more specific that, especially for dream work, if you are trying to focus your dreams, that you're trying to have an experience, you know, a dream about love or specific question, then using rose quartz and things like that. So there are lots of other ways that um, you can add additional crystals if that interests you. There is a whole wealth of information, of course, online. Um, And if there's particular crystals that work for you uh, in your conscious mind and in your day-to-day life, they will work the same way in your dreamscape. So lots of different ways that you can go with, with all of those things. And as always, that will be up on witchwednesdays.com and Patreon if you need the whole list of uh, all those herbs and crystals and you know additional bullet points on what we talked about so you don't have to take notes and all of those things. Always up on the website. Uh, they are published at the same time that this goes live if you're ever looking for that information, witchwednesdays.com. And that is everything that I wanted to share this week on astral travel and dream work and sort of the differences between the two. But if you have any additional questions, always uh, reach out on Instagram, which Wednesday's podcast, or over on the Discord server that's linked through Instagram. So you can find that really easily. Uh, and there are a lot of other, other witches on there who talk about like their dream work experiences and things like that and what they do and how that affects them during different like moon cycles and things like that. So if you have specific questions or want more information, then definitely head over to Discord because there are lots of witches that do this all sorts of different ways. So you might get really good ideas by joining the community over there. Uh, and that is everything that I wanted to bring up this week. And next week I will have a special guest and we will be talking about how to tell people that you're a witch. Cause I've gotten a lot of questions about that lately. So hopefully we will be able to tell you our stories and give you some tips and tricks about how to tell people that you are a practicing witch. And I will see you for that episode. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Need even more witchcraft? Subscribe to Patreon for exclusive bonus content three times a week and order Sabbath boxes and other supplies at witchwednesdays.com. Be sure to follow on Instagram at witchwednesdays podcast.